everybody, welcome back to the Overrun Podcast. My name is Ed Bowder. I'm Kevin Mazza. I'm Jess Mastercola. And today we have 17-year paramedic and firefighter and the vice president of Fire Department Coffee and TikTok star and enthusiast Jason Patton is joining us today. Hey, Jason. What's going on, guys? Appreciate you having me on here. No problem. Thanks for joining us. And for uh, for the uninitiated, give us a little bit of your background, a little bit of your story, and uh, how 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 people may know you in this uh, chaotic world we're all living in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so as you said, 17-year uh, firefighter paramedic in South Florida. I am uh, also the vice president of Fire Department Coffee. I uh, started a little channel called Fire Department Chronicles uh, 2016 that uh, kind of has a fun look at fire and EMS, hopefully educates people from uh, time to time, but uh, kind of a fun way for us to relieve our brains a little bit, and uh, and it's gotten me in uh, places like this, so it's been fun. <laughs> so talk to, talk to us a little bit about Fire Department Coffee, because I know it's a, it's a veteran-owned organization, and you guys are, are very big on pushing that. Um, talk to us a little bit about the structure of the organization what it offers, and then we'll get into the uh, the less serious and more silly side of, of EMS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Fire Department Coffee uh, is actually founded right around the same time, 2016. Uh, veteran-owned Luke Schneider, the uh, CEO of Fire Department Coffee, he is a uh, Navy veteran, and it's run by firefighters, either retired or still uh, active duty like myself. Uh, we are mainly an e-commerce company, so online sales, but recently in the last uh, 18 months or so, we've aggressively moved into retail. We're uh, somewhere between 4,000 and 5,000 retail stores across the United States. We ship worldwide. We're also the official coffee of the National Hot Rod Association. And uh, we're in NASCAR. We're uh, moving into more exciting areas as well. So it's uh, it's been a journey. We're going to we're gonna move you from NASCAR into the National Hockey League. That's going to – we're going <laughs> to start pulling out the audience a little bit more, you know? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm, I love – dude, I love hockey, man. I love Listen, hockey. man, South Florida, they're picking up. The, the, the Florida Panthers have a hockey team. Yes, they do. <laughs> yeah, that's they have a highway. <laughs> right. It's there. The the arena is very much there. Just <laughs> off, off the side of a highway. Dude, they killed it this year though, man. They killed they, it. They really did. I listen, man, I I'm I'm really excited for uh for what our local teams have coming up for the next couple of years too. But yeah. So I'm sure people listening are, are aware of Fire Department Chronicles, but talk to us a little bit about how that started, what you guys look to do. Um, I, I know Jess, Kevin, and I are, are big fans of the channel. Um, Thank you. So, so talk to us a little bit about, about where all I watch. I mean, the, the classic bits of like, you know, things I've seen as a paramedic. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's a very niche audience, but it's certainly all stuff that we've seen that we can all identify with. So talk to us a little bit about the, the nidus for that and how, how that kind of built out. Yeah, for sure. And first off, I, I think that's why Fire Department Chronicles has been successful is when I tell the stories of things that I've really seen as a paramedic and, you know, you have somebody, an outsider or someone who's a civilian that's never dealt with any of this and they come in and they're like, there's no way this happened. And then there's a hundred comments below it. Like, no, this happened here, here. Like, we <laughs> this happened on Monday. This is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It's everywhere across the world. We're all running across the same people. Hey, honestly, it, it, I've, I've said from day one, I'm not special. Uh, there's a million of me across, you know, in all EMS and fire stations. There's some guy making jokes. Uh, if, if you ever meet me in person, 90% of them are inappropriate. I, I don't do it online. But uh, with, uh, you know, it's just, it was me starting off me having a good time with my brothers and sisters in the station. Then it kind of started morphing into something that 
that turned out to be a little bit larger than I ever thought it was. And what I've loved is that I can actually find ways to educate the the regular civilians or, or people, the, the standard people out there that maybe don't have misconceptions or whatever when it comes to EMS or or uh, what we do or the best ways to treat things. And, and I can educate them through humor, making fun of somebody. And I'll never tell which videos it is, but two of those videos were me actually uh, involved. <laughs> like personally, uh, though on the on the side that with nine one one was showing up too. So uh, I'll never I was tell on the other side that day. Yeah. From from the education side, it's something I think that we all try to, you know, get messages across to lay people and try and make them understand the industry a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, Talk to us a little bit about some of the feedback you've gotten, I guess, from from laity, because I I know, you know, your channel, as I said, is hugely popular. Last I checked the other day, it's 2.35 million followers or something like that, um, which is which is more than the EMS population in the country, which is a, a really big, no, it's, it's, it's a big statement to make because it, it means that there are people who aren't involved in the industry watching. So yeah, give us a little bit of, of the feedback you've gotten from the population. Are there people that have a better understanding of how EMS works or how fire response works? Like how, mm-hmm. how has that helped kind of close that chasm between, you know, the, the profession and the populace? That was big. Where that, where I really saw that gap get closed was TikTok. So TikTok comes out, I start making some videos on there, and it was a lot of people, younger kids or younger generations that never really identified with the EMS or they didn't understand what it was. They all, all their thought processes about this all came through movies or videos that they've seen online. So that's where I truly got to talk to people and kind of say like, hey, this is what you think, but this is the way it really is. Um, that in itself has been met with a lot of positivity. Honest to God, I... I in, in the, I've, I think at this point I've made, you know, probably close to 500 videos or something like that. And it's very rare that I ever met negativity unless it was from somebody in my own field, like, you know, fire, mm. EMS, just, you know, jerks being jerks, that kind of thing. Right, yeah. but, <laughs> we all know. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. You know, uh, we like, we all know the people. We, we yeah. all know the personalities. <laughs> Some of us are those people. <laughs> I don't care if you're salty. Just don't be salty all the time, man. Like, let it go a little bit, you know? Uh, so, but it, it, the general population loves the pieces of it. And, and the one thing I always try to come across in the videos is uh, this may be a dumb reason for you to call 911, but you should still be calling 911. Like, there's, there, right, if yeah. you're not sure, yeah. call 911. Like, yeah. let us show up because we don't ever want people to be discouraged from it because, God forbid, it is, you know, an actual issue or something like that. So, for the most part, everyone meets it with, with fun. I've, and, and uh, it's going to happen now because I've said this, knock on what it doesn't, but I am yet to meet someone who comes up to me and is like, you're a raging jerk. I want you to. Yeah. I mean, you've done a really good job of it because I, um, I very much hate making fun of people that like don't deserve to be made fun of and i think mm-hmm. you poke fun in a way that it's very lighthearted and like it could be anybody that you're making fun of and it's yeah. not just patients you make fun of other provide like other providers and oh, yourself yeah. so oh, yeah. it's very <laughs> relatable Thank you. the the one that i like that comes to mind is that you did one about um different kinds of drivers mm. <laughs> and i think i've worked with every single <laughs> I was like, some of those were me when I first started driving. Like the actual the optional thing was something I said to my captain. Like I just yeah. like I like stopped and then just went right through the light. I didn't actually come to a full stop. He's like, you know, that was a stop sign. I was like, they're optional. He's like, so if you ever say that to me again, you're never driving. <laughs> 
it's, it's, okay. it's one of the, it's one of the things that I, I I really enjoy about the channel is I I think and certainly something that that we've talked about on the show I mean at this point ad infinitum is you know how do we kind of get the public to understand what it is we do and why it's important because mm -hmm. you know we we've all had that moment and I, again one of the things that I I wanted to talk to you about specifically Jason is. I think you found a way to kind of get a lot of the annoyance and frustration that we have in the field. Like it, it, you've, you've sort of normalized it, which is great because you know, we we're not very good at handling stress uh, at all or, or debriefing at all. So it, it, I think it's a good medium to at least start a conversation and be like, Hey, I have noticed that a lot of overdoses are wet. <laughs> like why, why, why is like, I, I had an old partner who, that was her question. She's like, why is every single overdose wet? Yep. You know, and it, it, was, it was just one of those things. And it, it's, it, I think, putting that out into just kind of into the public, like, no, no, this is what we see all the time. Like, I, mm. I don't care, you know, that you've called 911. I, you know, it's, it's great that you did and that we're going to go get you checked out of the hospital. But mm. I don't want you to feel like you're the first person who's called for this. And no. I, I think that's, that's hugely important, especially among the lay population, because, you know, people will see television or other forms of media and they'll be like, ah, you know, I don't. I don't want to call because, you know, what if it's just something silly or if I'm just overreacting? And certainly we've all been to, you know, late stage patients or pronouncements who are like, oh, they weren't feeling well yesterday and they yeah. thought it was just a silly thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I do really like closing that gap. Have you found that to be problematic at all? Like, have, I know you haven't had bad feedback from your coworkers, but mm -hmm. has, have there been things where you're like, you know, what, we should talk about this. And it, it kind of just got to a point where like, ah, maybe we don't we don't put that content out. Maybe we don't have that conversation or maybe we change how we phrase it. Yeah. Uh, that is the difficulty of anything when it comes to social media and our professions is that uh, we want to use station humor and put it on the internet and then we get fired. Uh, that's the way that goes every time. Uh, so uh, yeah, I have found in general that that's, if you want to approach a subject that can be very controversial to the typical person, you have to run it through a PR filter first and then run it to like almost like a sensitivity filter just to see like, how yep. can I, and it's sometimes just switching verbiage and just mm -hmm. using verbiage just a little bit differently or even making the, the, uh, the, uh, the whole uh, diabetic emergency thing where the guy like picks the guy up and throws him. That was me. I was a rookie brand new on the job. And we had this guy, uh, every time we showed up, there was the same thing. He would like, he buck up and he was ready to go. And I had a bunch of guys that had already dealt with him. This guy was, he was uh, an, actually an, an ex linebacker. He just gotten out of, out of, uh, at the NFL. Even better. And Even it's, it's never so, a small person who did. No, no, no. He's no. a career bodybuilder. And he's a diabetic. And I jumped. I was like, I got this man, and I jumped on him, and he threw me across his bedroom into a wall. His parents were sitting there, and they just stared at me. They're like, "Yeah, yeah great job, bro." Yeah, we told you. <laughs> I tried to warn you. That's steps. what was going to happen. <laughs> exactly. But I think, in general, uh, yes, I, I approaching subjects in a fun, exciting manner to educate people that removes kind of that stigma of like, Hey, you're dumb. Cause people look, that's what we're here for, man. Call 911. We're not going to be happy, but if it's really, we're if all it's, dumb though. Yeah. yeah. We're all dumb. That's the problem. We're all dumb. Every, everybody's an idiot. <laughs> and I think that's just humanity is just, we're just dumb. There's just different layers of it, but you know, it's kind of the way it works out. Uh, so yeah, I've been met with positivity for, for, for the most part because people see it. it's it's not me dogging out people. It's just me like, hey, let let's let's laugh at this situation. We can learn from it, uh, and then we can kind of move forward. Hmm. 
And I, something that we we've, we've spent a lot of time talking about is is also like mental health issues and things like that. And I think you know opening up the possibility to like, hey, it's okay to talk about these things in a you know less formal, less serious, you know, kind of somewhat silly manner. I, I think that's kind of opened up the conversation to that as well. Um, and again, as an industry, we just we don't deal with you know stress and PTSD and, and all that stuff well at all. No. Do, do you find that this is sort of an avenue to get people to open up a little bit more? Where you know, I, I think it's easier. Like no one wants to be the first person, right? Yeah. But I, I think it's easier when someone's like, "Hey, look, I've seen this on every job too," or you know, commiserating about you know your shift ends at seven and here's a six fifty five cardiac arrest that went out. You're like every time. Okay, yeah, let's uh, <laughs> let's go do that. You know, I, I think. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, dude, I'm telling you, it does not matter where you go. We all deal with the same problems, whether it's you know, and it's obviously if you're at a busy department that's that's super concentrated with a lot of really bad calls, then you you, you know you may uh, accelerate that process, but. Dude, I've, I work for a, a department. Uh, my station I'm at right now, we average 15 to 23 calls per shift. Like, it's, it's insanity, man. We run constantly all the time. Like, and it's all like good and bad stuff. But yeah. I, I, the only call that's ever really bothered me, man, was uh, my, and I've seen like, like dead, like, dead, like bad stuff, right? So uh, the only thing that ever bothered me was I ran on a guy who my dad had just died of cancer and it was my first shift back. And the guy fell off his motorcycle, looked just like my dad's motorcycle, and he looked just like my dad. And I was like, okay. So I'm gonna go back in the truck. Uh, <laughs> like, he was totally fine. He just that, like a, if anyone needs me, I'm gonna be back here crying for a bit. Yeah, I'm gonna go uh, vomit and cry, and then I'll see you guys in a minute. Uh, but yeah, man, I, it, look, the, the it always comes back to the same stuff. When you get into when you become a, a EMT or paramedic or a doctor, you know, firefighter, whatever it is, or a police officer, you are supposed to be the the most strong willed, mentally tough person in the room at all times. So when you need to not be that person. It's very difficult to revert back to normal human emotions because from the academy, you've been told it does not matter what you're seeing right now or how bad the call is or what's going on. You need to be like iron focused on the situation, get the person to where they need to go. And then if you need to run another call, you need to go do it. So it's very difficult to revert back on these like things that you've created, these walls. And it takes a long time. We're, we are an industry of now. We need things done now. So we expect results now. And when it comes to mental health, they, that, that ain't the way it works, man. It takes time and therapy and you know thought processes and changing and culture shifts and all that fun stuff. And I think we can build out, you know, there, there's certainly many problems. And, if, you know, we've talked earlier, if you've been to one shop, you've seen one shop. But I think there's a very interesting overlap in problems between projects, right? Where, you know, like, oh, we like there's a ketamine shortage. So, you know, no one has ketamine or, you know, we have a problem. I have it all. At my right. It's mine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm having a great time. Yeah, I, I, there's twelve of you right now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but it, it's always interesting to see like where where that overlap lies, and you know, hearing like just the the same complaints from different departments about like you know it's it's always the same stuff, right? Management doesn't care. There's all these problems. You know, we don't have enough staff. We have too many calls. Our volume is too high. Yeah. Um, 
it, so it's interesting to kind of have those conversations across the board, like, because we've had that same conversation with people from across the country and from people in England, where it's it's the same problems over and over and over again. So I, I think it's very important to kind of get that message out to the industry. Have mm -hmm. you had any kind of problems or pushback with management? Because, you know, one of the things that we're all very concerned about in the industry is if we try to speak out for some sort of positive change, then our managers can just fire us. Yes. And I, so I think one of the things that it, I and, and, and Jess and Kevin, you're welcome to jump in for this. Like, do you, I mean, I don't, I don't know that our employers are particularly encouraging um, of, of mentioning industrial problems on social media. Uh, given given my current place of occupation, I am not going to speak about anything going on there. That's a great. A, that's a great yeah. way to go, oh, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin's having a. He's in a bit of a like job actions. <laughs> a, gonna, I mean, good. I all I can say is that I do remember one time that Kevin made a comment, and it was very benign. Like it did not point fingers at any particular oh. uh, institution, and um, I guess a guilty conscience decided to take it upon themselves to think it was about them and it w totally was not mm -hmm. and they actually reached out to his uh, place of employment at the time and, complained, and it had nothing to do with that institution yeah um so yeah i mean i think i think just based on that <laughs> we try to temper the things i say and watch how i say them and how yeah, specific yeah. I get about what I say. So there, there's there, there's currently a very popular uh, work stoppage that's happening in our state, Jason. That's that's where we're all yeah. that from. There's yeah. a yeah. Mm -hmm. um, there's some 1,700 nurses and staff that are currently on strike. At a, Can you tell me what state you're in? Or you New Jersey. Jersey. New Jersey. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I did hear about that. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It's it's a bunch of people that just want that want money and state and safe staffing ratios, but. Yeah, how dare they? Yeah, none, none of that. <laughs> Sons of bitches. Uh, Uncalled for. <laughs> we are in, I think we're in an unprecedented time in general. Uh, South mm -hmm. Florida is is part of, part of uh, just in, in an area or a time that I've never seen when it comes to finances versus inflation rates versus like actual living abilities. It's insane. I mean, my home that I currently live in, and this happened before I bought it, uh, went up about $150,000 in value in 11 months. And I had to buy it. Yeah, I had to buy it because I was renting it. And the guy's like, I got to raise your rent $700. <laughs> Heads up. Yeah. So, and I was <laughs> we like, need, we need some action here, Jason. We need some action. Dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, what do you need? <laughs> so so uh, I had to buy it to stop myself from like paying like outrageous amounts of money to, to stay in the state. And at one point in time uh, during COVID, I went to uh, one of my hospitals to drop off a patient. There was two nurses in the entire hospital this is a this is a level one trauma facility like this is bad man like constantly busy and there's two people in the entire place and that includes the uh triage nurse like it's so <laughs> bad man it's so just, just that like, scene from bringing out the dead just like just keep on going don't even yeah don't even yeah. Out. yeah we just walk in they're like i don't know what you want us to yeah. do man <laughs> like, put them on put them on a bed i guess yeah like, yeah fine. good luck uh that's how you do the vitals uh so like I, I agree with you guys. We're in an unprecedented time where, unfortunately, the means to be able to pay your bills has or we're not able to do that anymore because bills have gotten much higher than the actual means to be able to pay them. Um, so, yes, I don't I don't. Uh, my department has been incredible with with us. They've been incredible with uh, taking care of us. And then they've been incredible with all the fire department chronicle stuff. But I 
think in general, man, just being able to speak up against people is a great idea. But this is my only suggestion to anyone that's going to do it to their own employer. Sometimes if you're able to come with a solution or at least a like a, a little bit of a solution, you make the blow a lot easier. My chief said to me one time when I was complaining about something, he goes, hey, man, I got a ton of problem finders. A lot of them. He goes, but I have no problem solvers. He said, if you come with me with a solution with your problem, I'm probably going to let you do it, man, or, or figure out how to fix the problem. So it, it's... Uh, it is what it is, man. There's not a whole lot we can do. They're going to figure out how to how to pay the nurses right. And it is kind of BS when you have nurses that have worked there for 10 years, and then you have a travel nurse come in and make quadruple what they're making. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a... Yeah, there, that's why but, I don't do bedside nursing anymore. <laughs> no way. No well, way. I, I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be an interesting thing, uh, you know... Seeing because it, it used to be, you know, when when Kevin and I started, because um, we we started our our medic careers right around the same time, you know, I think a lot of it was like it, the the assumption was that like you'll go to medic school and then you'll go to nursing school because you're not going to be able to make a living as a medic. Mm. Um, like it, it was a it, it still is a, a pretty common red thread through the conversations of you know what do you want to do with this right? The question I ask at every at the beginning of every EMT and medic class is why are you here? Yeah. And like the, the running joke is like, I assume you're not a sociopath. I assume that you want to help people. Like that's, yeah. of, of course, like, like well, they're going to practice one of the two. I know. Right? Exactly. Right. <laughs> um, I learned this gross anatomy. How else am I going to cut up yeah, exactly. that person? Or, no, I, I've had, I, don't get me wrong. I've had a couple of responses where like, you were slow to answer that question. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think, you know, again, like having the conversation with like, you know, there's no career path or livelihood and and our state is very unique because like in florida you guys have a fire model where you know at least in theory there's sort of a, a growth pattern right you come in as a yeah. recruit and then you can move through you know every you know couple of years you take a promotional exam whatever yep. and that's very much not the case here um paramedics mm -hmm. in new jersey are hospital owned and the squads are usually volunteer or municipal owned. So there's very, yeah. there's very little crossover. It's so fun. It's, 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 and great. that doesn't make sense to me because, yeah, no, it doesn't make sense to us either. When you combine, yeah, <laughs> when you combine the two, you get, you get tax dollars to be able to fund 50% of it, we'll say. And yeah. then the other 50% of it can be through, you know, insurance charges or whatever it is. I mean, I think right. like the, the average is like 40% uh, capture rate on this stuff, but, yeah, that's that's what makes the most sense. But I get it. Look, down here, this is we. This is what we do. We don't have a choice. Like, if you want to run nine one one as a, as a EMS, you're going to be a firefighter as well, which right. I'm fine with doing both. Uh, but you know, a lot of people don't want to do that. Like, people who are in EMS don't want to be in fire, and then people in fire don't want to run EMS. But man, if you if you guys want to make some money. We got to hold hands, man. There's a couple right of here. municipalities that on the top of my head that I can think of that do it, but it's not paramedicine. It's um strictly BLS, BLS yeah. response. So, right. Yeah. And, so, and there's also, uh, there's, there's an industry concern too, because you, you mentioned, you know, EM, EMS doesn't want to do fire. Fire doesn't want to do EMS. And yeah. I, I think in a lot of departments and I, I'm, I'm not a firefighter. I'm aware that water goes on fire and that's how we fix it. That's exactly um, it. And that, that's, that, I, you passed yeah. firefighter one, no, Ed. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, to, I'm to understand dryers catch on fire sometimes. I've, I've never seen they it. Do. They um, do. But, but not real big fires, but you know, it. I, I've noticed that it, it. At least the feeling is that almost like that the, going on to EMS is like a punishment, and 
It's in this it, state, yes. It, yeah, and and you know, mm-hmm. that, but that's that's one of the reasons why like we want to talk to people like Jason is like, is that just the the cultural experience that we've had? Is that a universal kind of thing? You know, is is and again in in a setting like the stuff that you can put out on on social media where you can find like, fuck, I have to go to the ambulance again. All right, fine. Like, is that? Is that the, you know, just like the, the general consensus or is that just like, all right, it's the same thing like coming into work on a Monday, right? You're like, hey, people are going to call 911. Like, do they have to do that? Like today? Why? I don't want to. You know? <laughs> so it, it's always interesting to me here to kind of how EMS is perceived, because I think in a lot of places it's seen as a necessary evil. And that that's the thing that we, we want to kind of like fix and build that out. So, yeah. you know, I, I agree with you that we have to kind of work symbiotically, but how do we kind of close that gap? without it turning into, you know, like, how do we make it into a, like family members in fighting amongst each other as opposed to like professions fighting amongst each other? I think in general, the biggest issue with our industry is, is it is almost the brotherhood sisterhood thing. That is almost the interplay that happens just because there, there are some underlining, like, that's what we like. We love talking shit to each other. Like, even when we like absolutely love each other, we want to talk shit to each other. Like that's, yeah. that's just the way it is. You know, I've seen, I've been in one of these where like almost to blows fighting, we reach whatever peak or pinnacle of that argument it is. And then we're like, what do you want to get for lunch? All right, cool. We'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that, like, it's just, it is what it is. But, um, I will say this. Most people in Florida, uh, we will embrace the fire and EMS side of it. And I love EMS. I love like the, the like second by second thought process. I love that. I know both of them are in the same room or at least same area because both of them just look to the just left. Time. That's one of our, one of our oh, dogs. My dog is dreaming. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, no way. They're in two different rooms. Look at this. But, um, no, I love the EMS piece of that. You'll you'll catch a lot of firefighters that do. We love it as well because it, there is there is an incredible like humanistic nature to EMS. Whether it is just the simplicity of giving one medication to save someone's life, or the complex nature of being able to talk to someone who's having a mental health issue or or an anxiety attack, and you're able to work with them to figure out that situation and and interplay uh, uh, issues with family members as well. Because if there's a complex nature to all of EMS, just like there is in fire. So I appreciate both sides of it. And yes, there is that, like, you're on the box today, Jay, like, oh my God, like, why? <laughs> Great. Uh, Good. <laughs> it's not because I don't want to run EMS calls. It's because I'm tired of getting punched in the face by people that are like, yeah, my knee, like last shift, uh, my knee, I hurt my knee in a car accident two months ago. Like, and, and it's an emergency at two o'clock in the morning now. Cool. Good. Right now, so, yeah. there's clothes all over the place. Uh, the boyfriend and the girlfriend got in a fight, and the guy just wanted to go to the hospital to get out, get out of there. I'm like, whatever, just get the truck. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, I, that's kind of what, I had a job that I, I'm, I'm sure I've talked about on the show before, but the, the long and the short of it was it was Thanksgiving. And uh, this guy was just done with his mother-in-law. So he, he called 911 complaining of chest pain. I was, I was a brand new medic. I, I think I had been certified for like three months. And so this guy is just like, oh, you know, chest pain to my arm. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, here we go. You know, let's you know, four lead, 12 lead, let's see what's going on. His, uh, his, his wife and his mother-in-law leave for the hospital. And my guy leans in. He's like, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. And... But you know, like I'm just like, oh well, you know, so far your tests are looking good, your blood pressure looks uh, good, and he was just like, no, you don't understand. Uh, so like <laughs> on the way to the hospital, he was like, I'm fine, I just couldn't do it anymore. My mother-in-law has been down here for you know three days, 
And uh, he gets to the hospital. He's like, can I request that no one comes visit me? And we're like, I mean, yeah, man, you have, you have privacy, right? So like two hours later, I'm cruising through the ER and I see my guy watching the Lions game. Just like, like oh, this is the Thanksgiving I wanted. That's brilliant. That's it was worth every bit of that copay to that. Exactly. Yeah, every bit of that $2,000 bill or oh. whatever that you got. It's it's really like, no, this is good. I need carbs for energy. We're going to yeah. be here for a while. <laughs> that will be a story I tell somehow through real things, but I got to figure out how to do it without someone getting mad. So, yeah, yeah. I think the one of my favorite things about your content is there's you have a, an expression that you do very, very well, which is the it's an expression that we're all aware of. Everyone kind of has their own thing. Um, the like the what are we doing here look. Yeah, is it, it like and as I said, everyone kind of has their own thing, but it's that like it's that split second where you walk in, you're like, "Hey, EMS," and you see the patient. You're just, what um, what, uh, what what are we doing here? And they're like, "Well, you see, this thing started its day outside of me. Yeah, now it's inside of me." And like, great, now I have more questions and answers, but I'm not going to ask any of them to you. Off we uh, go to the hospital. Those in those calls, man, I, I'm like, all right. Like, yeah, I yeah. don't want to know any because nothing you tell me from this point on is, is going to like change anything to it's me. It's not going to be helpful. That's for sure. No. <laughs> like, so, so what happened? You fell, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. That's great. I'm going to put that in my, my nemesis <laughs> <laughs> details in my chart. Uh, so I, I guess the, the, the overarching question, and we will wrap it up a little bit after this is we're in a position where the industry is, is kind of, uh, you know, not building, uh, as effectively as we all think that it should. So uh, what I want to ask you as, as a seasoned provider, as someone who has business acumen and as someone who has this, you know, th this glorious crossover audience in, in your mind, in, in Jason Patton's world, how do we increase recruitment and retention for EMS? And I'm not like, again, I, everyone's got, everyone's got a problem and not everyone has a solution. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that, that I kind of like to ask people toward the end, because obviously the goal is to, to make the industry better than it presently is. So yeah. in, in Jason Patton's world, how do we increase, you know, recruitment, retention, and make the industry seem like something that is more worth joining than it currently is? Because I think it's easy to joke right now, where it's like, well, why would I want to join an industry where people are going to spit on me? Um, you know, Some of back us are station that. dogs. Okay, yeah. that's, that's where we went wrong. All Dalmatians, all dogs are good. Everyone all the gets time. a Dalmatian. Everyone gets a dog. <laughs> <gets one> <laughs> um, I think that there, it's like multifolded to to answer that. But I think because when I started as an EMT in two thousand, uh, God, when did I actually start? Two thousand six. Isn't that fun? Isn't that a fun moment? We're like, when did I start? And you're like. Oh, it's been so long, dude. Okay. Uh, I had a guy, a, a student come in and he, and he, he's doing a ride time. And I was like, how old are you, bro? And he goes, I'm, I'm 18. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Yep, no, you're not. You get out. <laughs> no, you're not. Get out right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, uh, I, I think, you know, when I started 2006 or wherever it was, I made $9 an hour as an EMT. And then when I get, back then. I, okay. Yeah. So, no, I live in South Florida. It was still horrible. That's bad. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. That's bad. Uh, and then I got my, my medic and I went up to, it was $14 an hour, but if I wanted benefits, I got $12 an hour as a paramedic. So, uh, yeah, like <laughs> it, it, crazy, right? And then I became a firefighter and I made $32,000 a year. My paychecks were $1,000 every two weeks after after taxes and all the fun stuff. So, um, 
but I had it. Come on down had, to EMS, make fat stacks every week. <laughs> like insane, right? So I, uh, I, what I had though was I had a goal at the end of like, I knew that, like you said, there was going to be promotions and hopefully pay raises and so on and so forth. So I at least had something to look forward to. Um, but I will say this on our side as, as fresh 18 year old firefighters and paramedics or just EMTs or whatever it is, have a realistic understanding of like what you can make as a fresh EMT out of school. Like just understand that and know Mm -hmm. you're probably going to work a second job. Do do you want to do that? No, I didn't want to do that, but it's kind of a part of what we, what we kind of do as we come in or. Just have an understanding that when you go to EMT school, your only choice is to then go to paramedic school and then figure out another way to make some extra money, that kind of thing. Is Should that be the way reality is? Absolutely not. It should never be like that. But it kind of is part of the process. When I was a mechanic, I started as a mechanic at, at 18 years old. Uh, I made uh, eight, uh, eight, $7.50 an hour is what I made as a mechanic. So and I had to go to school and it was a big thing. So on our side, realistic expectations coming in that as a fresh young person, you're probably going to have to work a little more than your average person and get a little overtime, but it'll all pay off in the end. As an industry, we need to figure out ways to supplement things a little bit better, whether it is doing the inevitable thing of uh, trying to make fire and EMS come together so we can hit both sides of it or figure out a way to either a get a better capture rate for insurances or and that's comes on us as well we got to actually get information i i I fucking (laughs) what's your address yeah (laughs) everybody was jane doe for a day with me i was like (laughs) Uh, so that does come better on our side but is there a better way can we do ems taxes is there a way to actually get into like on a state level say hey uh, we are losing people. And when you call 911, no one's showing up because we can, o- we can only have so many people that want to volunteer. No one wants to do this stuff for free on EMS or fireside. So what do we do? Can we tax, you know, a $10 tax a year per resident or, or 0.01% that will at least allow us to pay people appropriately? There, there are, there's only so many ways you can do it. This is way outside of anything that anyone's that I at least have thought of. But like legalizing marijuana will most likely bring in so much tax dollars that it could probably help supplement a lot of this stuff. And if you do that and you say, hey, if we legalize that, then X amount of dollars goes to first responders, fire, EMS, police, whatever it is. Um yeah, some people yep. are gonna be like, that was one of their that was one of yeah. their chief pitches when uh when legalization debate came up in New Jersey was you know we're we're trying to find ways to increase the tax revenue base and they, like here, here's an entirely untouched market. Um, yeah, I get, and I don't know if you if how you guys feel about this, but this is just my personal experience. This is my own personal experience. In 17 years, I've never seen someone smoke a joint and beat the shit out of someone. Not once. <laughs> no. like, not one time. I see. No. Now, that has been laced with something, you know, and obviously if you abuse something, you can always go poorly. But well, and, yeah, you man, know, it, a lot of that is appeal to anecdote that it, and I, I don't know if you've ever taken in uh, the 1931 masterpiece Reefer Madness, but I no. cannot. No, I cannot <laughs> recommend it more. So these, these guys know I, I'm, a, I'm an old film guy. And, yes. Uh, <laughs> So Reefer Madness was essentially a, a, a propaganda film that was done, I swear to God, it yeah, was done to encourage the you know illegalization of hemp because the cotton <laughs> industry 
wanted yeah. wanted hemp to be illegal. So there's oh, a whole you can't, film. Can't fuck with the cotton industry. No, you really no, there's Jess. There's a scene in the film where a guy smokes a joint and then jumps out a second story courthouse window where he was on trial for murder that he committed while also high on weed. Like, are we sure we aren't talking about another type of nope illicit no, drug? No, nope. no, it's, it's <laughs> no, the it's movie. Very much like if you if you smoke, you're going to lose your mind, and that's kind of what. That was the impetus for a lot of this stuff was people saw the film and are like, oh, my God, marijuana makes you crazy. Um, in, 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 even, the, even the term marijuana is a derivative racist term because we attributed it to Hispanic people. Mm. Um, so that's why, like, you hear a lot of advocates talking about cannabis and not, not marijuana. Mm. But, no, I, I highly recommend the film. Welcome to Ed's Movie Corner, where I <laughs> talk about... <laughs> Ed, let's talk about Birth of a Nation. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I did watch a lady doing like something about like drug prevention with a bunch of um, uh, mothers and fathers. And it, some of the information was really good. Uh, but she brought up marijuana, man. And I, the whole time I'm watching her, I'm like flabbergasted. Listen to this lady. She's like, oh, oh, yeah. I saw a kid smoke a joint, a regular joint, and he murdered his whole family. I'm like, what? Yeah, are it's you like sure the people who say like, "Oh, I defibrillated <laughs> Graham Graham and flew across the room." Like that, that joint yeah. probably kept him from doing it sooner. <laughs> <laughs> that joint yeah. was standing between them and the end. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I, I'm 100 percent data driven stuff, and that's like if 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 there's data behind marijuana that said that hey, you're you're you smoke this, you're you're 100 percent gonna do crack next week then you know i'm against that obviously but if if there's no real data behind like marijuana being bad for people who, who cares man i can tell you right now i've seen alcohol destroy more people's lives than anything in the world man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. and i yeah. like whiskey. i love whiskey and bourbons but yeah you know, i'm an ex-er nurse and i think that's like yeah most yeah, of the uh the all, sadness all the fun, that comes yeah. through there <laughs> Well, it's, it's the old Homer Simpson thing, right? Alcohol is the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. And that's we'll go right along with that. But like, you drink too much, you wake up hungover. The only way to fix it is to have enough drink. Listen, to the dog, Listen, winners winners never quit and quitters never win. There you go. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast that gets us all fired. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, thank you so much for your time, man. Uh, I'm going to give you the last word on anything, whatever, whatever you uh, you feel like stating about the the industry or the educational processes that we're going through, and then uh, we'll get out of here. Yeah, no, listen, find different ways to get educated. Find different ways to educate people, whether it's through comedy or through it's through or just through direct contact with people. Spreading knowledge, I believe, is the greatest thing that anyone can do, and just. In, in, in the beginning of the day, set realistic expectations with yourself. Try to wake up content with your life, not happy, because contentment can always go up or down. But the next day, you always come back to the same baseline. So find a good content place, and you will most likely be able to live a good, positive life. Awesome. From the Fire Department Chronicles, thank you so much, Jason Patton. And for the overrun, I'm Ed Bowder. I'm Kevin Massa. I'm Jess Mastercola. We'll talk to you guys next time. Get home safe, everybody.